From the Heidelberg Catechism, let's read together Lord's Day 7. Are all men then saved by Christ as they perish through Adam? No, only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. What are these articles? And there follow the 12 articles of our faith as we profess them earlier this service. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, are you a Christian? 67% of the citizens of our land would answer yes to that question. But only 21% of Canadians classify themselves as religiously committed. Despite this, 57% believe that they are going to heaven. Our society retains some remnants of Christianity. Most think that in some mystical way, they will be able to share in the blessings of God, especially as they apply to the life hereafter. Many reckon that they're pretty good people and that therefore God will open heaven to them. At times we can be influenced by the thinking of the world around us. And so it's important for us to understand the truth about the way of salvation. What does it mean to be a Christian? Our catechism defines a Christian as a member of Christ by faith. A Christian is a part of Christ's body. He or she has been grafted into Christ. He or she is someone who believes in Jesus as his or her Lord and Savior. A Christian knows that God sent his son into the world to suffer and die for his or her sins. He or she knows that Christ has risen from the dead, that he now rules as our victorious king. Are all people Christians? Are all saved by Christ just as they perished through Adam? Although many think so, the scriptures disagree. The Bible teaches that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. You need to have a true faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Lord's Day 7 deals with our connection to the mediator, Jesus Christ. There's only one way to share in his saving work. That is, by believing 
by having faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The promises of the gospel will not benefit everyone. They're only for believers and their children. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We'll see the need for faith, the source of faith, and the focus of our faith. This afternoon, we'll spend quite some time speaking about faith. And so we need to ask, what is true faith? The author of the letter to the Hebrews defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. To have faith in someone means you have confidence in him. You trust him. You believe in him. You're willing to rely on him. Our catechism teaches that faith includes both a sure knowledge and a firm confidence. Faith is said to be a sure knowledge. A believer knows something for sure. What does he know? The catechism says that he accepts as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. Thus, faith is based on the Bible. It is not based on your feelings or on what others think, but on what God has told you in his word. And what's the message of God's word? It's the good news of salvation. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or as John records the words of Jesus in John 17, verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The point, beloved, is that because God has spoken to us in his word, we may know him. And that knowledge is of great benefit for us. For God has revealed himself to us as a God of love. He's revealed himself to us as the God of our salvation. God has made known to us that despite our fall into sin, there's a way out. He sent his only son into the world to make payment for our sins. Christ suffered and died for our justification. He rose again for our glorification. That's the good news of the gospel. Everyone who knows this, possesses the knowledge of the way of salvation. Yet, beloved, such knowledge by itself will not save us. Knowing the Bible from front to back is not enough to deliver us from our sins and misery. There are many people who are very knowledgeable in the scriptures who will not be saved. It's because they still lack something. They have only one of the components of true faith. What they miss is trust. True faith is not just having sure knowledge. It's also having a firm confidence. It's trusting that all that's revealed in the Bible is true for me. It's believing that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior There's a difference between knowledge 
and trust. A person may know another, but not trust him. The better we know some people, the less we may trust them. For our experience with them has proven that they're not worthy of our trust. Time and again, they let us down. Therefore, we have no confidence in them. We don't believe what they say, for they're unreliable. But this is different with God. With him, the opposite is true. He is trustworthy, for he keeps his promises. He never lets us down. And so we may wholeheartedly trust in him. For he loved us so much, he sent his son to die for our sins. We need that kind of faith, beloved, to share in the benefits of Christ. This afternoon we read from Mark 9, about the father whose son could not speak, who had epileptic fits, and worst of all, who was demon-possessed. This man brought his son to the Lord Jesus' disciples. Christ had appointed them to go out and preach the good news of the kingdom. He gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. But the disciples could not cast out this evil spirit and heal this boy. After his transfiguration on the mountain, Jesus came to his disciples They were in a dispute with the scribes, and great crowds were gathered around them. Jesus comes to his disciples' aid. The boy's father explains the situation. He says, teacher, I brought my son to you. Why did the father bring his son here to the Lord Jesus? Because he thought Jesus could help. The boy's father said to Jesus, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Jesus makes it clear that the real issue is not about whether or not he has ability to heal this mute, demon-possessed boy who repeatedly got thrown into epileptic fits. Jesus can expel demonic forces with a word. The problem is not divine inability or even divine unwillingness. What is impossible to humans is possible for God. The real question is, does this man believe that Jesus is the Lord, the Redeemer of life? You see, beloved, the sole bridge between the frailty of man and the all-sufficiency of God is faith. The way in which the power of God becomes manifest in human life is through faith. Christ's statement that all things are possible for one who believes is not some elusive hope that this father could never attain. All he had to do was trust in the Lord Jesus. And for us, it's no different. To share in the benefits of Christ, we also need faith. We need to believe that the promises of God are sure. 
We need to believe that they're not just for others, but also for me. The Apostle Paul speaks about the way of salvation in Romans 10. He also emphasizes that salvation is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to note the flow of Paul's argument in Romans 10. He begins by stating that it is his heart's desire and prayer to God that his fellow Jews might be saved. Paul testifies that they are zealous for God. But their enthusiasm is not based on knowledge. The Jews thought that they could earn their own righteousness through good works. They did not understand that the only way that they could be saved from their sins and from everlasting condemnation was by sharing in the righteousness of Christ. In Romans 10, verses 6 and 7, Paul stresses that Christ's righteousness is freely obtained by all who believe in him. Paul says, But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? These words are difficult to understand. It makes sense when we realize Paul is referring back to Moses' words spoken in Deuteronomy 30. These words take us back to the situation when Moses addressed the Israelites just prior to their entry into the promised land. He had spoken to them both the blessings and the curses of the covenant. He calls them to love the Lord with all their heart and soul. And then Moses addresses each Israelite with these words. He says, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Moses' point is that God's covenant law has been given to his people in the context of grace. That the land of Canaan, which they were about to enter, was God's gift for them. Paul's point in Romans 10 is that the same applies to us. We don't have to earn God's favor through good works. He freely offers it in Christ. God doesn't demand the impossible from us. We don't have to bring Christ down from heaven or raise him up from the dead. Christ voluntarily came down from heaven to suffer and to die for our sins. It's by the power of God that he was raised from the dead and glorified. The hard work to accomplish our salvation has all been done by him. Paul's point is that faith does not require us to be supermen. It doesn't set some kind of impossible task in front of us. God has done what was necessary to secure our salvation. And we receive his gift of righteousness by faith. Paul makes the point of his whole argument explicit in verse 9. There he clearly describes how we are saved. 
He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the way of salvation is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, beloved, this is the teaching of the whole of Scripture. Paul quotes two more texts to prove the need for faith in order to be saved. He quotes Isaiah 28, 16, saying, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. He also quotes from Joel 2.32 saying, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We know that this is the truth. In John 1, we're told that the word, that's a reference to Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. John says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 3.16 tells us of God's love in sending his son, that whoever believes in his name shall not perish but have eternal life. We need faith in order to be saved. For faith is the instrument by which we're allowed to share in Christ and in all his benefits. This brings us to our second point, and it will see the source of faith. Till now, we focused on the need for faith in order to be saved. Faith is the lifeline that binds us to Christ. It's essential for our salvation. In John 3, 18, Jesus said, Whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. In John 3, 36, he said, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Yet texts like this can cause uncertainty in our hearts. At times we may question, have I got faith? Do I really believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior? We may face doubts and struggles in our faith. Perhaps it's because of sins in our lives that we're struggling with. Perhaps it's because we face other difficulties and because we've lost a clear perspective on the wondrous works of our God. In the struggles of faith, we can doubt whether or not we are saved. Take, for example, the father who brought his son to the Lord Jesus. His son was mute, had epileptic fits, and was demon-possessed. His father had heard about Jesus, and he certainly hoped the Lord Jesus could do something for his son. And yet his faith was not all that strong. He said to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus made it clear he could help if this man would only believe. Jesus said, all things are possible for the one who believes. This was not some elusive hope that this father could never attain. All he had to do was trust in the Lord Jesus. This man was aware of how small 
and how inadequate his faith was. Yet he did not become a believer when he gathered together a sufficient amount of faith. He became a believer when he risked everything on the small faith he had. The boy's father said, I believe, help my unbelief. He believed that Jesus was able to help his son. And at the same time, he prayed that Jesus would come to his aid moment by moment to help him overcome his unbelief. Like the father in Mark 9, we may face struggles and uncertainties in our faith. Sometimes we may wonder if there really is a God. When our culture proclaims, God is dead. When we undergo struggles and hardships, the grind of life can make us doubt God's ability to help us. When we fall into sins, we may wonder why God would ever bother to show his grace and his love to someone like me. There will be times and circumstances where we doubt our very salvation. In such situations, we sometimes wonder what we can do to help us in these struggles, it's important to know the source of faith. We need to know where faith comes from. Faith is not something we have from ourselves. It's not something we do by ourselves. Faith is a gift of God's grace. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Where does this faith come from? Our catechism provides a direct answer to this question. It says, the Holy Spirit works this faith in my heart by the gospel. Thus we see that God not only grants us salvation in Jesus Christ as a free gift of his grace, even the means by which we're saved comes from God. Faith is the instrument or tool by which God allows us to share in Christ and all his benefits. But even that faith itself, it's something given us by God. He works it in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Beloved, do you struggle in your faith? Do you at times doubt whether or not you have faith? Pray to God that he may grant you wisdom. Pray that the Spirit may dwell in you richly, that you may make God's promises your own. Read your Bible, the good news of salvation. Remember that the Holy Spirit uses precisely this food to nourish and strengthen our faith. As Paul makes clear in Romans 10, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, beloved, although we cannot work faith into our own hearts, we can pray for it, and we can nourish it. In sports, how do star players get, a good, get good at a specific skill? They practice and practice and practice until it becomes a reflex. 
a muscle memory. They invest time and hard work in developing their talents. And in farming, how do you get chickens or pigs or cattle to grow? Well, you feed them. In the morning and again in the evening, you ensure they have nutritious food to eat. If you want to know God, you need to read and study the Bible. It's God's word in which he makes himself and all his mighty deeds known to us. If you want to grow in your faith, you need to immerse yourself in the promises God makes to us in his word. You need to see how God is near to his people, how he helped them in their trials and temptations. Do you read the Bible each day? Do you pay attention when God speaks to you? Reflecting and meditating on the word helps us grow in our faith. God uses his word to feed our souls, to build a strong faith and trust in him. Beloved, can you point to anyone in the scriptures whom God has let down? Is there any situation that shows us that God does not keep his word? In the personal experiences of your life, has God ever failed you? God's word makes known his faithfulness, speaks of his steadfast love, shows us how God's children turned to him in times of trouble and how God delivered them from their distress. Our God is reliable. He keeps his promises. And thus we may be sure of our salvation. For God has promised us the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. All who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord will receive these benefits. This brings us to our final point, and we deal with the focus of our faith. What do we need to believe in order to be saved? Is it enough to believe in the existence of God? No, it's not. James says in chapter 2, verse 19, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. The demons know that God exists. They're in a struggle against God because they rebelled against him. Yet their knowledge of God and the fact that he exists won't help them. For they don't believe in God. They're unwilling to acknowledge Jesus as Savior. They refuse to submit to his lordship. Knowing God exists is not enough to save us. So what then must a Christian believe? Our catechism provides this answer. All that's promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. But I would like to draw your attention to the first word of answer 22, that word, all. It's necessary for a Christian to believe all that's promised us in the gospel. There is no reduction here. 
It's wrong for us to deny any part of God's word. We need to believe even those things that this world rejects. Like the manner in which God created the world. Like the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. We need to be willing to follow God's teachings, even if it goes against what's commonly accepted in our culture today. Yet, our faith has a specific focus. A focus on the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Paul summarizes the gospel message in one line when speaking to the Philippian jailer. When the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? Paul told him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Here we see how the promises of the gospel are focused on Jesus Christ. And that's appropriate. For he is the one mediator between God and men who gave himself as a ransom for all men. As Peter said when he addressed the Sanhedrin, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The Apostle Paul summarized this beautifully in Romans 10 verse 9. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we see that the focus of our faith is on Jesus Christ and on the mighty deeds he has done to accomplish our salvation. We need to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. We need to believe that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, that he grants us new life in him. Beloved, do you believe these things in your heart? Do you know Jesus Christ to be your mediator and deliverer? Do you look to him for righteousness and life? Does that show in your life? Is your unity with Christ evident in the way you profess your faith in front of others? Does your trust show in that you're willing to submit your whole life to God's will and way? Faith is what binds us to Christ. It's a God-given instrument through which we're allowed to share in Christ and all his benefits. May God grant us his grace and spirit and so strengthen and encourage us in our faith. So may we share in the treasures of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Redeemer, and live in close communion with him, now and eternally. Amen.